0: the sports crib podcast episode 307 five habits that can make you a champion in sports and in life Sports Achiever and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast and this is a bonus podcast with regards to the launch of season 8 which I'm super pumped about and excited to share with you. So as always thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast, I hope it serves you well. As always my goal each week is to provide you a special guest that can support your personal growth and really help you achieve in what you want to achieve in the sports industry, particularly if you have an interest in really getting nitty-gritty with habits and applying them to achieve the goals you want. I hope today's episode can support your personal development, interests, and needs. (laughs) Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is a returning guest of the show for the third time, the first time in history with regards to the Sports Group podcast. And it's a real dear friend, Alistair McCaw. Alistair is a five time best selling author where he specializes in building world class mindsets, impacting leaders, and winning team cultures. For that reason, it's such a joy to have Alistair back on the show. And that's when today's episode, Alistair will share five habits that can make you more of a champion within with regards to sports and in life which you can apply today. Alistair, it's such a joy to have you back on the Sports Career Podcast. You're actually the first ever guest to come three times and uh, they always say number three is that lucky number but really jokes aside over the years I'd say the hardest years with the COVID period we've done many conversations, we've done many collaborative projects and every time I get on the mic I always know we're going to have an educational conversation, but before the listeners who didn't know who you are, please check out the other two podcasts and Alistair's podcast show too, but just a literally one to two minutes, just a, a quick overview of who Alistair McCaw is, if they've never heard of you, if you wouldn't mind Alistair.
1: Ed, it's always a pleasure to to come on to your podcast. Uh, I always love listening to it, learn a lot from you as well and massive respect for, uh, for the consistency. I mean, I don't know how many podcasts you're done now. What? Two, three,
0: 300, over, no, over 300 this year. Wow.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I've got my, I've got my own podcast and I know how much work it is, but, um, when I see how much preparation you put into each podcast and the research you do, well, that's what I call a real professional and I'm nowhere near, uh, your, your level there. So I just wanted to just to put that out first, uh, before we, before we go into it, but, who am I? Um, I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I am a leadership consultant. Uh, I don't like to use the word expert because I'm I'm someone that's always learning. And I hope it is like that until the day uh, I leave earth is is every day I wake up with a, a desire to learn, a desire to listen better as well. So, uh, yes, I'm a leadership consultant, speaker, author. Um mentor as well once you get a little bit older once you start to see a little bit of gray on the beard then you become a a a, apparently a person of wisdom uh so um yes that's that's basically what i do on a daily basis now i work with large organizations i work with athletes ceos um, and actually anybody who wants to uh, uh, better themselves and and seek excellence you know some of the clients I have ranged from housewives who just really want to be better uh, better at what they do, better wives, better better mothers, all the way up until uh, CEOs and, and world-class athletes. So that's what I do.
0: You're being too modest. Right here, I've got all your books. So the first one that I first ever got was Champion-Minded, Any Young Athletes I'd Say You Must Read. The next one, if you want to be a coach, is the seven keys of being a great coach. That doesn't mean being a sports coach, by the way. I've even used some of your methodology in helping students into the sports industry and simplifying it. The next one, which I think when we got really close with like our connections and working together, was developing a winning attitude and mindset. Then last year with Mark Clements, you did a great interview with him with Lead with Purpose and Make an Impact. Again, a great book for leadership and I would say almost like self-leadership then more than just learning about leadership and then finally which we'll definitely talk about today which I'm absolutely adoring this but mainly because of the size like to be honest when you see this it's like in your hand and it's habits that make a champion and it's like 55 minute micro chapters which is great with an espresso by the way but we'll dig in this in a lot more detail but I think you're quite modest Alistair like I appreciate the kind words Um, of you know what I've done on a podcast which you know it's just a real passion for me but for you I want to take the time to say thank you for taking the time to write all these books because I know I'm writing my first book how much time it takes but also the discipline as well and you haven't just done one you've done five amazing books. I think I'm missing one more book which I don't have I think it's how to be a great great team player if I'm correct you are Uh, that's the one but All I'm saying is, I want to thank you. I think a lot of your fans who are listening to this, and I need to say this now, and putting our friendship aside, um, your consistency on social media is second to none. It really is. And I know in the past, I ping you the odd WhatsApp message going, great work. And I think at times we both forget to give us that pat on the back. So um, I just want to say thank you for your dedication of always serving. I call it like leadership with service. So Alistair, thank you. But to be honest, today, I'm going to interrogate you in such a good way about your new book. So before we talk about your book, I always say this for special guests who come back um, out of interest from when we last spoke. What is that one skill you've developed reflecting looking back?
1: I think, um, you know, each year I, I come up with two words uh, for the year. And I know there's a lot of people that maybe might come up with one word and that could be something like um, health, energy, whatever it can be. but Definitely for me, uh, self-awareness has been a massive one this year. And, you know, what is self-awareness? Self-awareness is the ability to look uh, within yourself, uh, to understand your strengths, to understand your weaknesses. Um, you know, self-awareness also involves a, a, a an amount of vulnerability as well. Um, it's also to be critical in yourself, but not to beat yourself up. Uh, you know, so I think the more I've gone uh, on this journey in life, I would say I beat myself up quite a bit pre- in previous years about maybe goals not accomplished, or failures I've had or mistakes I've made, which I still do today. Uh, but I don't beat myself up about it anymore, and I think that's been a result of self self reflection and and self awareness um, of of understanding myself more and understanding that I can't be brilliant in everything. I can't do everything uh, perfectly, and that's why it's important to have you know, to, to outsource uh, and have people around you, but to be also be aware of your weaknesses and it's fine. We we all have weaknesses. So Ed, I would say self-awareness has been a big one.
0: Just with regards to beating yourself up, my goodness, when you say that it reminds me of the young tennis Ed Bowers, whenever I lose a game or a set and I just can't move away and just focus on the next set. And I know in the past we've always talked about just focus on the next point, but when you mean beating yourself up, do you really mean that psychological aspect? Because I think um, we always hear it, but we don't dig deep of, is it because of the triggers that make you beat yourself up mentally? Or is it more you've done a mistake and you go, ah, then you beat yourself up? I'm just curious because for me, it's both. But I was wondering which one influenced you the most.
1: Yeah, I think it's it really comes down to an element of perfection you can have the standards you drive for yourself as well. Um, All the high achievers and 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 successful people I've worked with, they're very, very hard on themselves. So part of my job as a mentor or consultant was to try and, uh um you know, help them through that process of not beating themselves up as much. You know, any, anybody that's world-class in anything is very hard on themselves. They're very tough on themselves. Uh, you have to be in a way. You have to have that self-discipline and those and those high standards, for example, and I can relate to you as well, I played junior tennis as well, and, and just couldn't control my emotions and couldn't get over mistakes. And this is something that I help help tennis players and athletes with these days as well. So I think everybody uh deals with it. And I'm sure all the all the listeners right now will also relate to it as well. But it's it's understanding that you can't be perfect in everything and every day is not going to be uh, Super Bowl day and everything's gonna go to plan we've got to learn to understand what the controllables are what the uncontrollables are and accept that um you know every day you know every day can't be great but you can find something great in every day and that's 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 what that's what I try and do I try and focus on the small wins um not you know you've heard this multiple times from me about the brick wall of confidence is we can either beat ourselves up about things and take brick bricks off the wall so we're breaking down our wall of confidence or we can choose and that's a big word choose to uh um recognize the small wins and each brick is a small win on that wall which builds your wall of confidence so that's that's the way i've chosen to to try and see it to try and um work towards it i'm nowhere near perfect yet i still you know i play Uh, a a game called pickleball now which is almost like a a game of mini tennis or paddle for if you like and you know i was just playing this morning here at my my club in delray beach and i find myself berating myself after a after a miss um so even someone like myself who writes books on positivity and champion-minded uh i'm not being necessarily champion-minded myself when i'm beating myself up but it's it's but I think that gets back to your first question, which leads to self-awareness where I'm aware that I'm doing it. So, uh, you know, what, what's my next move? How am I going to better that, for example?
0: So with regards to like, put it, you know, me, I always go back to like implementation. That was your word of the year, like self-awareness. How did you implement it in? Was it the journaling? So I know gas was a big thing with use of gratitude. Um, And that was an exercise you did every evening before going to bed. So, um i'm just curious of how you implemented that word and by the way my word this year was confidence and next year like 2023 it's energy meaning not being hyper it's more getting the best out of my body and mindset because i don't know about you but i think even if you don't mind i like to like like give behind the curtains of when we work together there's days we had whatsapp calls where we were both down just due to the pandemic due to the pressures financially it was a lot going on and I realized I put pressure on my physical health and I wasn't mindful of it. I sort of took it for granted. So my word is actually energy next year, but it's more vitality more than anything else. So, but going back to my question of the self-awareness, how do you implement it? I'm just curious. Um, and that side of things.
1: Yeah. And, and, and getting back to what you said there, gas, what does that stand for? Gratitude, which I practice in the morning and throughout the day, appreciation, appreciation for, for, For people, appreciation for um, just general things throughout the day, the person that helped you at the post office, uh, recognizing those things. And then the S was, here's the big one, self-reflection. So better self-awareness comes from self-reflection. When you self-reflect on your day, for example, uh, what did I do well today? What could I have done better today? Who did I make better today? We become more self-aware of ourselves. So, you know, I like to I like to ride my bike to the pickleball and back. Uh, That's a a good way for me to think I'm not sitting in the car. Um, Luckily, the weather is good enough to do that as well. But I will self-reflect on the way home on the bike about my, you know, about how I was on the court and how I was with people and conversations and so on and so forth, which gives me. Uh, and a, a better understanding of where I can improve and what I would do different this time. So let me let me let me let you into something that's really been over the last two days. And I, I think I sent you an email yesterday about it as well. Of um, you know, good emotional intelligence of remembering people's names. So my self reflection riding home today on the bike was um, how did I do with people's names? Because every time I go there, I meet new people that have come to play. And it's one of my goals as well as to remember names better, because everybody loves the sound of their name. And 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 admit it when you when you meet somebody again for the second time, and they go, "Hey Ed," and you but you can't remember their name, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" And that happens to me a lot. Where they go, "Hey Alistair," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what's what what's her name or what's his name again?" But I'm I'm super impressed that you remembered my name. But I can't remember your name, you know, so those small little things leave a massive impression. So I self-reflected on that. So my self-awareness became, of okay, I've got to learn to I've got to remember people's names better because it leaves an impression.
0: I love that. And by the way, what I do and I know the same feeling, I have to write it down now. Whenever I hear a new name, I need to write it down. Um, don't know if you're into a guy called Jim Quick. I I, I sort of did his uh, speed reading course, gosh, years ago. Uh, and um, he said with names, associate it to an item or associate it to something. Um, So you could say Harry or relate to Harry Potter with a scar. It was little things like that. Not saying that person had a scar, that guy, Harry. I'm just saying use that with triggers. And um, so I hope that helps you, mate, with regards to remembering names because that's what I do. As you know, with interviewing so many people, it can be like when you're like seeing them in person because actually quickly I said, this was the first year I actually saw a lot of my uh, special guests in person and it was such a cool feeling. So yeah. Um, but I love that with gas. Carol. One,
1: one of the ways, one of the ways that I, that I, so, you know, it's good because you always say, okay, well that's good, but what is your strategy? What is your techniques now moving forward? Okay. You're re- so you've recognized this thing that you're maybe not as competent in. What, so what, what's your plan going to be? So mine was, so if I meet someone, for example, today to play pickleball, and his name is Mike. What I'll try and do is during during the play uh during the game I'll go good shot Mike or uh pass the ball please Mike and I'll say as much as I can and then it then it becomes ingrained. So I think one of the, one of the best things you can do is when you meet somebody is in that meeting and in that time try say, try say their name as much as possible. Um I mean don't don't completely overdo it but by the third time, fourth time, it'll probably be ingrained. Or they'll correct you and go, sorry, it wasn't Mike, it was Mick. Um, and then you'll know, you'll know. So that next time, you are not, oh, gosh, what was, what was his name again? So that was one of my strategies today is say as much as possible while you're with the person.
0: Awesome. See, I told you, everybody, when you listen to these conversations, magic happens. And we haven't really started. I'm going to put you on the spot now because you've done quite a lot of books with regards to... So I call it your brand, this champion minded. And I want, I've learned with all your books now, it's not about sport. So I'm just curious, what is your definition of being a champion?
1: Um, you know, I, I wrote it in the book in the first paragraph. And now it's very, very simple. It's a champion is committed to their vision, excellence, and maximizing everything they've got. Uh, so it really comes down to that is that is that it, you don't necessarily have to be the most talented, the most skilled, the smartest. Uh, all those things it is it really comes down to attitude effort uh, and and you know striving for excellence you know my my mentor my great mentor who just unfortunately passed away last week and and you know maybe we'll we'll get into him in this conversation as well Nick Boliteri described a champion like this he said a champion is able to pursue their dreams and become the best they can be so you know we some people think that a champion is that person standing on the top of the podium with the gold medal or the or the trophy for example but a champion is someone that's that's giving their all trying their best and and pursuing excellence
0: and we'll definitely talk about nick like really quickly guys i played tennis at the age of seven to 22 and at such a young age i was trying to learn as much as i could from nick across the pond like his influence in coaching and we'll touch on that because I know you've had many engagements with him, which I, I'm, this is so true. What I'm about to say, Muhammad Ali's one, Nick is another. If I had the opportunity to do a podcast with, they're on that sort of dream board. And I want this podcast to acknowledge him because I think in the tennis world, the amount of consistency he had, not with just great players, but I'm curious on this of the great people he's influenced through his different, that academy's experience must be in the thousands. And I think that's probably where he's a greater man than the world champions he's created on the court. Uh, would you mind just sharing your thoughts on that before moving on?
1: I mean, what, what an incredible man. I mean, where do I start? I met him back in 2007. Uh, I'll remember the first meeting uh, we were walking into, you know, the Bolotary Tennis, when it was still the Bolotary Tennis Academy before IMG uh, took, took over. And, um, you know, there he was waiting for us, big white White uh, uh, teeth, uh, the smile. Um, he hugged hugged us as well. Now we never met him before, but just you could feel the warmth and uh, the excitement and the energy. And like you know, who were we? You know, or who am I? And you know, we're meeting the great Nick Bolletieri. But you know, this is that struck me. What struck me was when I had um, when I spent time with Coach K, Mike Shashevsky at Duke University. I was struck by the similarities between two great leaders there because they, they make you feel special. They make you feel like somebody as where a lot of famous people, a lot of these people that you can be starstruck by, um, uh, don't, don't make, don't make you feel that way. They make you feel inferior. And Nick, Nick and Mike coach K Mike Krzyzewski made me feel special. Uh, Another commonality is that they ask you a lot of questions instead of you ask, you know, you're thinking why they, you know, I want to ask you questions, you know, they're, they're curious about you. So they're, they're more interested in you than, than being trying to be interesting. So that was something that struck me. But I mean, while wow, I was able to spend some, so many um, amazing uh, um, times with, with Nick as well, be it in the coaching box when, you know, we had a player uh, playing or on the practice court. Uh, over lunch at, you know, his favorite restaurant just near the Academy, the um, South Philly uh, cheesesteaks. Um, just, it, it just, I, I never saw him once be rude to somebody or not have time for somebody or a photograph for somebody. It, you know, just an incredible, incredible man. I mean, what a man with a vision, you know, uh, IMG Boletari, which is now, I don't know how many acres big. It's It's massive. It's like a city. Uh, started on a tomato uh, uh, field, um, that that was his vision to put tennis courts on there. So and look what it became. You know, people said he was crazy, and yeah, he was crazy. But his definition of crazy is, is that sane people will do uh, successful people will do things that, you know, um, are are achievable. Crazy people do things that are that others think are unachievable. So that's just the mindset and the the you know the approach he had.
0: I do not use this word likely, but I think he is in the tennis world. The legacy he's left. Do you think it's going to be bigger than him not being here now? Because for me, I'm reading more of his content. I now am going back and reading old pieces of content with him and Andre Agassi. And, you know, you've got to realise area of tennis has changed and developed. Um, just put things in perspective. If you have never heard of Nick Bollettieri, He had um, Jim Courier. Gosh, that's a name from the past. And then the, the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, like it's that consistency we talk about all the time. And it's same in your book to have a coach who's that consistent, not just one or two decades. I'm talking maybe five decades. I'm just curious of on, on on that side of things. Yeah. what What's phenomenal
1: about him? OK, so he had at least 10 number ones, world number ones. Uh, Boris Becker, Andre Agassi, the Williams sisters, Mary Pierce. Sharapova, gosh, um, and then multiple Grand Slam champions. But his ability to adapt to different players, and like you said, they're now in different eras. So he was coaching for 60 years, and he was still relevant. Now, there's a big word there as well as relevant, is he was able to move with the times. He was able to stay in front of the times. He was on Twitter. He was on Instagram, even when he was in his 80s. I I listened to the other night a, a, a speech by him, uh, when he was 87 alive on stage to 5,000 people. I mean, the guy was on fire. I mean, 87 year old, uh, you know, he was just an absolute icon for me. Uh, I aspire to be, to be like half of what he, he has been, um, just his courage. A lot of people, uh, like I mentioned, said he was crazy, but you know, I've never met a successful person that isn't slightly crazy because you have to do things that others aren't willing to do. You have to be willing to go to places that other people don't want to go. You have to be willing to be, to be mocked, to be, to be teased, to be, you know, people are going to be jealous of you. You know, the higher you climb the ladder, the more snakes there's going to be. So, you know, just incredible man. He, he will be missed and he touched, like you said there, Ed, thousands upon thousands.
0: And it goes so well with this podcast topic. And I really mean that. And, I said, that's why I had to reach out to do this. In this, everybody, we do not have time to go through all of Alistair's book and do 50. But he's kindly given me, can we go through five? And these are like five core chapters of the book. But I highly recommend reading the other 45 chapters. But we're going to dig into five. And I think, well, Nick, you know, we're talking about him. It's actually part of this chapter. You mentioned it already with the positive energy attitude. But the first habit I want to talk about is the habit of bringing the right attitude. Like putting Nick aside a little bit, how big is this in any walks of life, but having the right attitude? And actually, finally, Alistair, this has been one thing you've taught me. It took years. It sounds crazy of how to control your attitude because it's easier said than done. So could you just share like what you meant of bringing the right attitude with regards to this chapter?
1: Yeah, every day, we're challenged with, with different things. And, you know, we're all going through different things in our lives, challenges, you know, it could be financial, it could be relationships, it could be mental health, and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, we get to choose our attitude, we get to choose how we're going to live our life or live our day one one day at a time. And, and it's a blessing to be given a day at a time. Every morning, I wake up as cliche as it may sound, sound, I, you know, I thank God for another day. And and it doesn't matter who your higher power is but you know be thankful for for another day that we have another opportunity to to make an impact on others and and improve ourselves but um yeah it's you know the right attitude is is a mindset um you know if i think about i'll give you a great story and i just read it the other day uh the mercedes formula 1 team uh their leader is toto wolf and when he when he took over Mercedes, uh, when he was going for the the interview to to be handed over uh the Mercedes Formula One team, the Petronas team, he went into the office and he would talk about standards and and so on and so forth. And he said in the reception area, there was an old newspaper on the coffee table. There was an old coffee cup still there. Uh, it was dirty. And he was sitting there thinking, well, this doesn't look like a Formula One uh uh you know environment, okay? So there he was with with standards already. anyway, in the in the meeting later, he was talking to some of the technicians and engineers and and people high up, and they said, you know, a big a big issue with us or the challenges is a is a technical issue. And he said, no, it's not. It's an attitude issue. He said, the attitude needs to change here and everything before everything else changes. And you know that's a pretty direct uh, comment to make, but it's spot on. Is that everything begins with attitude, of how coachable you are, to, to how uh, how well you accept feedback, um, how you approach difficult situations, conversations, adversity, resilience. All these things all comes down to the attitude we choose. It's it's little wonder that the best athletes in the world, like the Roger Federers, the Tom Brady's, are able to control emotions and have the right attitude ninety nine percent of the time. So. You know, it's 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 a key thing. And and like I said, it's not easy to be positive all the time. I'm not positive all the time. But the difference between positive and negative people is is that positive people are able to recognize those negative thoughts and move on quicker. So that is the difference between a positive and negative person.
0: Also, Alistair, like again, I want to weave in from our working relationship. Another part is just showing up. Like I remember we had calls, we did a collaborative project, one of my favorite one was your mental toughness conversation we done and we had to get it done and and can you remember the third day you had the uh, gardeners um going off in the background you you were going nuts I said look and you said hey can we do this tomorrow I said absolutely but at the time we didn't it didn't affect my attitude I went no worries we'll do the next day I know these sound silly examples but it's actually these examples where we could have just recorded it give it to you guys and it would have been a bad experience and Again, um, I did enjoy that, but I also did enjoy you getting you're frustrated over that gardener. But hey, um, going to the next chapter, because I'm trying to get this in an order where it can set people up uh, with regards to being this more champion individual. The next one is the habit of taking ownership of the journey. So we've talked about attitude. Now the keywords ownership. Like in this chapter, just give a little reflection of what you mean here from a big picture perspective. Yeah, I
1: think there's two words that, um, you know, that when it comes to ownership, two words that stick out are accountability and responsibility, is that I am responsible for what happens. It's all on me uh, with regards to the choices I make, the habits I build, the behaviors I have, the actions, the thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. That's all on me. So, um, you know, in a team environment, making a mistake, we're all going to make mistakes. What do we do? Do we try to cover it up or do we own on to it, uh, uh, own up to it, for example? That is taking ownership of that mistake, or or taking owners ownership of of failing in certain in certain things, for example. So, um, you know, ownership is, uh, you know, Casey Stoney, uh, the man, the former Manchester United uh, women's uh, c- head coach, and now she's the San Diego Waves, which she's just a fantastic leader, a fantastic coach. She says that ownership is a mentality, which is one hundred percent on the money right there. Is that we take ownership for our losses, our defeats, our wins, all these, all these type of things. So, you know, it takes courage to do that. Um, especially in a team environment, if you make a mistake, uh, you mess up, um, but you take ownership for it and you own up to it and, and see how you can move on and improve and improve on that, uh, moving forward. But it's, you know, it's, it really is the essence I believe of, uh, of success of excellence is taking ownership of the journey of your journey. Not blaming others, not complaining, um, but but stepping up and and um you know being responsible and taking accountability.
0: Just from a practical standpoint, again, you know me, I always like what's the how? For me, I have to do values that I live by, and then I act on them. So, you know, the trust, honesty, the biggest one integrity. Is that what you mean of ownership? So it's all well saying take ownership of your journey. Take responsibility, but if you write down your values and live by them, that is. Would you say that's the first step? Uh, I just want to make sure the listeners can put it into a practical standpoint.
1: Yeah, when when you have values, um, it helps you make the right the right choices and the right decisions instead of the easy ones. So if you don't have values or standards to live by, it's very easy to slip into uh, poor behaviors or, or or poor decisions, poor choices, for example. So when you have values, it helps you. Uh, make clearer uh, decisions and choices uh, instead of easier, easier ones, for example. So, yeah, it would definitely would relate to that.
0: Cool. So, again, I'm painting a picture for the listeners. We've talked about attitude, then ownership. The next one is the habit of getting uncomfortable. So I think we all like that comfy chair. We all like the warm bed instead of getting up half an hour earlier to put that into practical use. In this chapter, what do you mean of getting uncomfortable in this this part of the book?
1: Where I'd go there first is uh, conversations. Is that, be it in business, be it in teams, be it in relationships, is that no healthy culture or healthy relationships happen without difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations. So I'd start there because it's one of the hardest things for people is to have difficult or hard conversations. I know consulting with leaders, that is one of the areas where i I help the most is on how to have those conversations and how to have those uncomfortable confrontations so to so to say, but um getting out of your comfort zone is the key to uh making things happen. you know I just said there now is that successful people do things that that others don't like to do, don't feel like doing. do you feel like getting out of bed at four thirty in the morning to go to the swimming pool to do? Uh, a thousand laps, no, not everybody feels like that. You'd rather stay in bed, but these are the choices and decisions you make uh, as an athlete, for example, or writing a book or starting your own business, for example, is that you're still sitting at ten, thirty, eleven o'clock at night, where it's where you'd maybe rather be watching Netflix or be sleeping, for example, choices and decisions you make. So you know they always they always like to say, Ed that um you know success happens away from the crowds and the cameras and the lights. You know and that is that is true is that you don't see you know the the ninety five percent that's going on away from uh away from the public eye for example those are the th- those are what we talk about being uncomfortable getting uncomfortable uh you know I can remember spending so many Christmases birthdays missing friends weddings all all these things because of of either uh being on a professional athlete or in my career, furthering my career as a coach on the, on the professional tour, um, those were choices I made. And they were uncomfortable. Uh, There weren't sacrifices. I don't believe in that word. I believe that we make choices. Nobody was forcing me to do it. I chose to do it. And you know, when I hear an, an athlete saying, Oh, I've sacrificed this and that, and I said, well, no, you haven't sacrificed it. Nobody forced you. It's your choice. If you, if you want to do that or not, it was my choice to miss uh uh uh, christmases and birthdays and so on and so forth so yeah there's many areas we could go to in terms of getting uncomfortable but i believe and you probably read this in the introduction of the book habits that make a champion is you belong to the five percent club of of wanting of someone who wants to improve yourself and pursue excellence because 95 percent aren't willing to do the things that um that that require success
0: Just on that point, the one I want to just touch on a bit more, like peeling the onion of the uncomfortable conversations. We've had this in the past. Like, how does it build trust when you do acknowledge, let's say, the big elephant in the room? And then, you know, you've had that awkwardness, but actually it creates growth. I'm just curious on that's the benefits when you have those uncomfortable conversations. If you have it with an open mindset, both parties, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. You know, just before I came onto this call, i was I was chatting to a a um a client that I mentor and talking about the word trust, and i'll I'll show you where you're going with this if I can remember it. I actually wrote about it in uh, Lead with Purpose. So I'm glad you have the book on hand there. but um trust. so let's let's look at that word trust. The T stands for trust takes time, all right? So it takes time. It takes building those relationships over time. The R stands for relationships. So building the relationship, the connection, okay? The U stands for understanding others, which is important, empathy, compassion. The S stands for um, sharing accolades, okay? Showing appreciation, pointing out the the, the positives, sharing the, the successes. And the T is, and this is where we're going for here, is truthfulness. There we go. I, it had to do with honesty, I know that. So, so how we build up that 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 trust, Ed, is through truthfulness, through honesty, and over time. So, time, relationships, understanding, sharing the accolades, appreciation, and and truthfulness. That is how we build trust. And you know, no great things can can happen without an element of trust. I think I just put out a tweet t- today as well, which is appropriate to this conversation. Is um, you know, they won't buy into. Into your vision or your message, if they don't trust in you first, so you know to get a buy-in, you need to trust in.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Next chapter. See, I'm trying to create this flow, this energy. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. You're doing
1: great. You see, I don't have this skill that you have on a, on a podcast where you can make <laughs> it flow and stuff like that. I'm. Um, if you listen to my podcast, I'm like all over the your, place. Your
0: podcast are great. I do listen to them. Look, next one now. The habit of competing when the chips are down. I have to say, I've read a lot of books on habit, this one jumped, there's two, the next one jumped out of me, but this one jumped out of me, because I think it's a great habit of how we cope with it. So what did you mean in this chapter of again, I'll say again, the habit of competing when the chips are down?
1: You know, we all visualize this way of being a winner and, and being successful and achieving excellence. But the reality is, there's going to be a lot of obstacles, there's going to be a lot of um messiness there's going to be a lot of mistakes and so on and so forth you know i describe it like a bowl of spaghetti is that when you're in that that mess it's just like you're in a bowl of sticky spaghetti like there's just you know you can't make it out it's all over the place so you know the reality of of mastering a craft or becoming successful in anything is going to incur a lot of messiness a lot of frustration i think another as i said another word for messiness is frustration is that you can't figure it out, or why am I not breaking through, or why am I not getting more followers on on social media, for example? And we know that in the business world, um, followers means means business, it means income, for example. So, you know, all these all these things that frustrating why we're not making that breakthrough. But where because and 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 here's the point I like to make in that chapter is that you are actually making the breakthrough, but you have to go through that process first. You have to go through multiple messiness and situation, multiple bowls of spaghetti, if you like to get to where you want to be. And I still am because I'm still pursuing excellence. So I'm still eating my bowls of spaghetti every day at lunch, trying to figure out how I'm going to move to that next step and that next step. So yes, embrace the messiness, embrace the frustration when you're stuck, when you're feeling you're not getting anyway, understand you are in the process you are making steps right now while you're in that mess, while you're in that area of, oh, I'm just not getting anywhere. I'm just not figuring it out. You actually are figuring it out. You're working through it. And listen, if it was so if it was so easy, would it be worth it? No. Mm-hmm.
0: But just on that point of the messiness, I love bowl of spaghetti uh, metaphor, but from a practical standpoint, you know me, I like to give people some sort of tools. Does that mean at times we have to adjust and focus on progression? And we've said it beforehand, not being perfect, because again, I'm going back to when we work, you know, there were times over COVID, it was messiness, but we figured it out. You know, we had to adapt doing stuff purely all online, which I think we now really take for granted. But just from a practical standpoint of overcoming the messiness, does that mean we have just had that mindset of, again, having the great attitude, taking ownership, being uncomfortable, but also focus on progression than perfection i love your thoughts on that side of things
1: yeah um you know all those things you mentioned there yes it helps to keep an open mind because you might be working hard but not working smart um i think that could be one as well so keeping an open mind uh being a better listener having a good network of people that can offer you outside advice you know so you could be just stuck on your own thoughts being closed-minded uh you know what's that old saying is trying to put a into a square peg or something What what's that oh,
0: putting a round hole in a round peg like yeah square
1: a square into a round. yeah something like that yes
0: yeah, like, yeah, you, know I mean. you guys know what I'm we all know about. we all know what you're talking yeah, about but- I, I do too yeah he's thinking outside the box that's the key
1: yeah there's also there's also that really cool meme or that picture of um those cavemen pushing a cart with square wheels on it and some and then here here comes this other caveman with a wheel proper round wheel and saying hey try this and they're like no it's okay thanks we're good (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know so you put you're trying to pull this cart with square wheels but you're not listening to, to to advice of somebody saying, hey, here's a round wheel. Try this. No, no, it's good. So you're working hard instead of smart. So yeah, uh, progress, not perfection. Yes. Um, in the book, I said, you know, don't be so stuck when you're stuck on perfection and an A plus mindset all the time. You know, sometimes a B plus is good enough. And we can't be an A plus in everything. It's not possible. No one in the world is
0: but the key is that consistency keep showing up again like your your, your, your like like just, your book just like, just yeah? like podcast your podcast is anything but no no but <laughs> i want people to listen to the thing actually it's not just about you writing books or me pr- producing podcasts it's your daily lifestyle like i'd be honest everybody it's 9:30 on a friday evening what would i prefer to do i did an instagram post i'd rather rock the mic but i know a lot of people want to chill out and go out in town or they just chill watching Netflix. It is it goes that down to what you said. It's a choice.
1: And you know, sorry, one, one more thing, Ed, and, and you know you know, a lot of people think certain people are lucky. And yes, luck luck does happen. But you know, some people say, Oh well he's lucky, you know, he has this or that, or she's lucky, she's a... but they don't see this. You're there you are at nine thirty at night on a Friday night. Hey, ninety-five percent would rather be watching Netflix or being out or or with friends and, and so on and so forth but there you are so you know we all see the finished product of this podcast they they see the finished product but they don't actually see what 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 went what, what went on behind it 9:30 at night there you are that was a choice of yours for example you know i say this about luck and it's in in the book as well and i apologize if i keep saying go to the, this in the book you know luck is is like excellence it comes from preparation plus opportunity plus action equals luck or excellence i'll say that again preparation putting in the preparation before the opportunity comes because when the opportunity comes you're ready to take action because you're prepared creates luck creates excellence i don't know if that made sense but
0: it does and i think Trust me, I'm not here to get a badge of honour and you don't like a badge of honour either, but I always do remind each other of those small wins. Like your book, you said to me the last call, Ed getting it in December was really important to me and it's a game changer. Like, And I know you're always disciplined to make it happen. So I'm giving you behind the scenes. You didn't know I was going to say this, but this is where I'm acknowledging Asta because of that discipline and resilience of getting the job done. But the final chapter, because I think this will help really paint the picture now. So really quickly, you've done... Attitude, ownership, uncomfortable chips and messiness. But the final one is like the habit of focusing on the details. And this is a quote I want to share because honestly, when I read it, and I do read it like quite often as a reminder, excellence is in the details. Pay attention to every element and excellence will come. Like, I want to end on this on this chapter because if like the habit of the details, but how it can lead to excellence. Could you just overview this? chapter and for me i think it's a game changer but i would love you to share your thoughts of how important is this element of focusing on the details too
1: this is a great place to end because we can sometimes overthink the details so i think this is what experience teaches you is the older and wiser you get and grayer like there's a little bit of gray on my chin now is that you start to figure out what's worth your energy and there's your keyword for next year And what's not worth your energy in terms of time when it comes to details. Uh, You know, we all know the saying, don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, That's untrue. You know, the small details is which makes excellence happen. It's usually the bigger stuff that we all like doing, but it's the small things on a daily basis that people find difficult to do. So that would be one thing is excellence in the details. But also, I want to add this is keeping things simple. And this is, and getting back to the great Nick Bolateri, this was one of the things why he was the one of the best coaches in the world. And I, he was the best coach I ever uh, spent time with. And I've spent time with, I don't know how many coaches, world-class coaches in the world, was his ability to make the complex simple, was his ability to bring a message across in a very simple way that the athlete would, would understand. And that's why he had the ability to work with so many different personalities and cultures and you think about all the athletes he's worked with, they're all different different in every single way, but he was able to tap into them. He was able to understand them better. He was able to keep things simple. So I think it comes down to, yes, details are important, but knowing which details are important to 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 spend time on and keeping things simple. We sometimes overthink things far far too much.
0: Absolutely. So there you go, everybody. They're the five. But Alistair, would you mind just sharing like the purpose of this book, your vision behind it. And yeah, the mic's yours, yours my friend. I'm absolutely loving it. And um, would you mind just sharing, you know, what this book is all about, which is the habits that make a champion?
1: Yeah, um, simple, short messages. As you mentioned, there are 50, 50 chapters, five-minute reads. It's on audiobook as well. But it really comes down to maximizing everything that you've got. As, you know, the question you asked there, what is a champion, define a champion? It's it's maximizing everything you've got, uh, doing the best that you can, the best of your ability. Uh, you know, purpose of the book really comes down to my my purpose myself, is to impact as many people as possible, to help them realize their purpose, to help them achieve the best they can achieve. So it's as simple as that, I'd say.
0: Absolutely. Look, I really do hope the listeners have enjoyed this conversation. As always, I do, and I never, never take them for granted that always a joy. Everyone we do. But as always, Alistair, you know me, I always finish with an inspirational question. And because this keyword's habit, I thought it would be this. What three tips would you give to the listener so they can put habits into practice? Because words are words, but actions make things happen. So what three tips would you give to the listener implementing these habits into actual practice?
1: Oh, that's a tough one um, to think of. offhand. So I would say know what you want. So have clarity on what you want. Number one, what is it you want? Um, number two, uh, know what you need to do in order to achieve it. So uh, is it what resources do you need, for example, what type of environment, what people do you need that are going to help you towards this particular uh, habit or this particular goal? Um, and then number three is is why does it mean so much to you to change this habit or to achieve this goal, for example? Uh, You know, so it's it's important first of all to have clarity. You'd be amazed, Ed, how many people don't have total clarity on what they want, for example, as well. But you know that know what know what you need to do. But number three, the reason why, the purpose, because just like New Year's resolutions uh, fade away, and you know this will be a good time to bring this out as well, is that motivation fades away, but your purpose lasts. So on those days where it's difficult to get up or uh, you know, spending at ten o'clock at night doing a podcast, for example, your purpose of the reason why you're doing this will will far override your motivation because motivation can fade off, uh, fade off. So yeah, that would be that would be definitely the key thing is know really know what you want, um, and then you know just start small, one habit at a time. Don't tr- don't try and change ten things. You know, here's here's my goals for the new year, and I want to do these ten things. No, start with one. Start with one, make it a habit, make it consistent. Um, you know, I believe in the 99 theory as well. It takes 90 days to build a habit and it takes nine days to, to lose. So, you know, stick to it for 90 days at least and you'll find that it'll start become part of your system.
0: I'm going to give another case study, which one you taught me, your sticky notes. Now, I don't know how many sticky notes you went in 90 days, but with regards to implementing gratitude, you would have a sticky note near your bed and that was the first thought you had. See, look, I'm always learning from you, my man, and remembering too. So there's just an example using a sticky note into practice of whatever habit you want to implement. So look, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. But out of interest, Alistair, like where can people interact with you and where can people grab a copy of the new book?
1: Yeah, thanks, Ed. This has really been a cool conversation as always. So uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, Book is available on Amazon worldwide. That would be the best place. Uh, I'm on Twitter, active on Twitter, as you know, at Alistair McCall, and I'm on Instagram, uh, be champion minded. So those are probably the, the the three best areas to to connect with me, and of course, on of course my podcast as well, the Alistair McCall podcast.
0: Absolutely, to all the listeners listening, in, all those links will be on my website with regards to this podcast chat. As always, Alistair, it's a joy rocking the mic with you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. What a brilliant conversation with Alistair. And really, it was such a joy to have him back on the podcast show for the third time. And look, I really do hope you found this helpful as much as I did, particularly that this is the second bonus podcast with regards to season eight. But this is your bonus one. For me, it's to help you kickstart your year to your fullest potential. So I hope this podcast really serves you well with your own personal growth. It certainly has for me. And these five um, habits, which are brilliant, but I promise you, if you get Alistair's book where there's another 45, which you can implement and apply to your self-development, sports career development, I promise you, it's a fantastic investment to put into practice. There's also the audio book too. So I'm going to send you all the links where you can literally grab a copy or listen to the audio book. And you can utilize these habits and the beautiful thing about this book as I said right from the beginning one it can be in your hand and it's easy to like commute with but the second thing is they're like five minutes long if not less so they're great bite-sized learning just to always have that recap that's the thing about learning I've learned is always having the repetition of applying a habit and just keeping yourself accountable in your clarity and also your habits with your action so look I really do recommend it but with regards to this podcast really apply one of those habits that we've discussed out those five and apply it to your sports career development now and make it happen now as always at the end of each podcast episode I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker Alistair said daily wins and habits are the compound interests of future success